pages of his word. Busy month, busy month. The month of June is going to be a dynamite month. Camp meeting beginning Monday after Father's Day. That's two weeks from now. Uh, Amen. And we're looking greatly forward to a time of refreshing, a time of refilling among the body of Christ, the corporate believers in camp meeting. Brother Jimmy Jones, Dr. Alton Garrison is going to be providing ministry for us uh, that week. So we want to be praying up to that time that God would just unleash an anointing on those men's lives that would speak substance to the body of Christ. Would you stand as we look to God's word together today? Don't want to forget our Bible study on Wednesday evening. Currently, the book of Obadiah will move from Obadiah into the book of Joel as we're studying very in-depthly the minor prophets. So don't forget, next Sunday, don't forget our scheduled uh, services on next Sunday. Uh, the seniors have something great planned for us, and, and then uh, that afternoon is going to be filled with fellowship as we get together for a time of recreation. You believe we want to recreate the body of Christ? I believe we should. I believe Jesus took time away from the multitudes to, to rest and recover, recuperate from the toil of ministry. And we need to do that sometime because we're, we, we just occupy frail bodies that are susceptible to, to sickness and or disease. So we need some balance. We need some balance in our lives. Amen? Praise the Lord. So thank you again for joining us today in worship. Thank you for the concentrated prayer efforts of the body of believers here at Harvest for all of our, our sick church family, all of our folks who are hospitalized and currently in rehabilitation centers and convalescent homes, some of them battling sickness at home. So we, we, we sincerely desire your prayers on their behalf. Bible study, 7 o'clock, Wednesday evening. You're standing. Let's look to God's word in the recorded book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 32 One verse, that's verse number 8. Psalm 32 and 8. Everybody there? Praise the Lord. Let's read together. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Praise the Lord. This is David, the psalmist, writing to us, giving us these inspiring and encouraging words. Praise the Lord. So for the next three weeks, we want to we make an attempt to share with you our list. You, you might have say, Pastor, what list? I want to share with you what I believe are the three most important questions as, as human beings in our lives the three most important questions in our lives and I want to begin today with a message who is your master who is your master let us pray God of heaven we pause in this moment to give you praise honor and glory for allowing us to share the company of one another on this great day Thank you, Lord, that you have placed within our heart a desire to be here. And, Lord, it's not by chance or circumstance, but by your divine appointment that we are all gathered in this place at this time. Would you anoint your word? 
that it would minister into the heart of every person assembled in these four walls. Should one not know you in the pardon and forgiveness of sin, we pray right now that you would release the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to prick their heart, bring them to confession through repentance that they may receive your glorious gift of salvation. We thank you in advance. In the powerful name of Jesus, God's church shouted, Amen. Amen. You might be seated. Who is your master? Saints of God, there's no way around the fact that you and I have decisions to make on a daily basis. Decisions. Isn't life filled with choices? Life's filled with options every day. For people, organizations, communities, and even churches make decisions every single day. But here's something interesting we need to note. And that is that our entire destiny is shaped by decisions. And our lives are filled with big, memorable moments. Reality is, is that decisions are unavoidable. It's impossible to go throughout the course of a day without having to make decisions. I can bless you and say to us today, as much as we would like for this to happen, it's never going to. Decision making is never going to go away. We're going to be called upon in the course of our lives to make Many, many decisions. So then, we might ask ourselves the question, why do we struggle so much with decision making? I want to encourage us in this way. Whether we realize it or not, life is short. You might say, well, preacher, if a person lived to be 100 years old, now, now, now that's not short. I, I beg to differ. It is the Bible, God's word, that says that life is but a vapor. It appears for a moment, James says, and then it is gone. But that's because that James is measuring life that we record by time, something that can only happen where change takes place. He measures that against the backdrop of eternity. So then would you say? That life is very short. Life indeed, saints of God, is very short. So then, why is it of the utmost importance that we make right decisions? It's important that we make right decisions because our decisions shape our destiny. So over the next three weeks, by the helping grace of God, it's my determination to expound upon my personal list. What are the three most important decisions I've ever made? The single greatest decision I have ever made was that of serving Jesus Christ. I want to begin by encouraging us today to consider our options, our choices, our selections. It doesn't matter how you shape it. They told me it doesn't matter how thin you slice bologna, it's still got two sides. 
So it doesn't matter how we view it or from what angle or perspective that we look at this thing called life, there are only two options. You're not at Baskin-Robbins. There are only two options. What are they? Life and death? Jesus Christ or Satan? Heaven or hell? Those are the options. What, 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 what do we mean when we say consider? We mean, we mean to carefully examine or thoroughly evaluate the options that are laid before us. Options are nothing more than choices, friend. So it's our decisions, get this, it's our decisions, it's the choices that we make and not the conditions that are around us that determine our destiny. How many of you know that your current location is not your final destination? Oh, I needed about three more witnesses right there and we could have had church. I said, how many realize that your current location is not your final destination? Doesn't Paul say that our, our, our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven? So are we not just pilgrims passing through? We're pilgrims passing through. That's why surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ has to be the single most important decision that we will ever make. Defining the word master can be pretty tough. You can look up many, many, many different definitions. But here's one I arrived at that I think we can all benefit from. A master is one in authority. One who has supremacy. He's a ruler who is the Lord of our lives. Who is to be both obeyed and to be honored. So can I ask us the next question? Do you personally know Jesus Christ? Have you made him your master, the Lord of your life? Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18. This is Paul writing to believers, the ancient city of Colossians. And this is what he says about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him, get this somebody, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. If you're looking for a place to shout, hallelujah. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. If that's not the underlying definition of a word master, then we've missed it somewhere. What is Paul saying to the church at Colossians? He's telling us that God has given Jesus Christ supremacy of all things as the head of the body of Christ. Saints of God, the fellowship of all believers. Would it be safe to say the church? Hallelujah. What does supremacy mean? It means the best of its kind. 
It means there's no rival. There is no. How many of you know, glory to God, that God has no equal, that God has no rival, no man, no king, no kingdom, no nation, no power or authority can stand against God. Some of you missed that, so you need to let it marinate in your spirit for just a moment. You need to consider your options. And when you've considered your options, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God, I don't know how that you cannot decide to choose Jesus and allow him to be the Lord of your life. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. Didn't he say in the recorded Gospel of John that you didn't choose me, that I chose you? That is a known fact, amen? Somebody said, well, if God does the choosing, then he already knows from the foundation of the world who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. Isn't that the backdrop of predestination? No, the backdrop of predestination is this. Lord, help me just a few minutes. Hallelujah to God. The backdrop of predestination is this, that God knew before the foundation, Brother Lee Tom, of the world was ever laid in place. He knew that man would sin and miserably fail, but he knew, glory to God, that sitting on his right hand stood the Redeemer of all mankind. His name was Jesus Christ, the Lord. He knew that he would be released, amen, into this world as a Sinless perfection, uh, glory to God, for the sins of humanity. He knew that he would go to the cross of Calvary and die the horrible death of crucifixion. And he knew that on the third day morning, he would rise again. Amen. That's what he knew. I feel the preacher now. Hallelujah. That's what God knew. Brother Manny, it's a no-brainer, hallelujah, when I begin to consider where I'm going to spend eternity. Brother, Brother Freeman, the devil just don't have enough to offer. He can't sweeten the pot enough to make me lose out with the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. He can't sweeten the pot enough. I don't know about another soul in this building. But I know about me, God don't have to do one more thing. He's already done an itatamohoshata. I said he don't have to do one other thing. He's already done enough. Amen. Am I talking to any blessed folk in this building today? Who wouldn't be ashamed to raise their hand and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in spite of my mess. Come on, somebody. Who wouldn't be afraid to raise their hand and say, I am blessed. Every day that I live. I am blessed. It's not because of anything good I've done, but because he loved me. Oh, glory to God. And gave himself for me. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Glory to the Lamb of God. Thank God for the Lord, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so we could enjoy the life we now live. There was a famous singer, songwriter, entertainer here in America. Name was Bob Dylan. Anybody know Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan wrote a song that said, You're going to have to serve somebody. Uh oh. Have to be careful with this stuff. Church folks start having flashbacks. Some of, some of y'all start seeing yourself in the club. Praise the Lamb of God. But here's what Bob Dylan said Bob Dylan said, You're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Bob said, it may be the devil. It just might be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Is there any reality to that? Why is it when you witness to folk, they want to come up with a third option? I can bless you and tell you there is no third option. 
I can tell you there's only two options. Life and death, Jesus Christ and Satan, or heaven and hell. Those are the only options that we're afforded. Somebody ought to help me preach this, and we could get out of here. You know what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity? Amen. He said, a man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said, he wouldn't be a great moral teacher, he'd be a lunatic, or else he'd be the devil of hell. C.S. Lewis said, you must make your choice. He said, so Jesus, in conclusion, listen what C.S. Lewis said. He said, so Jesus was either a madman, a liar, a myth, or he really was, oh glory, or he really was, and he is the son of Almighty God. I wish I had some help in here today. Amen to God. He is who he says he is. According. To the word of God. What choice have you made today? Oh, praise the Lord. Listen, if you haven't been challenged, you just give time, time, like grandma said, and you will tell, amen, the story. So if you haven't been challenged, believe you, in the course of time, you will be challenged. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. Let's look together from the word of God. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13. This was Jesus talking to his disciples. And he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he looked at his disciples. This is when his ministry was beginning to intensify. Brother Khan, it was beginning to gain momentum. What are you trying to say? Brother Ted, amen, his popularity and notoriety were on the rise. You know what? Everybody wanted to know who Jesus was. Are you with me, Brother Mike? Glory to God, you do something good. Praise the Lord, and it'll get noised abroad. Somebody will find out about it. So Jesus was healing the lame and touching the blinded eyes. Glory to God. And what happened? He, he called his disciples to himself, and he said, in this region of Caesarea Philippi, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am. Hallelujah. Some said John the Baptist. Some Elijah. Others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. This is what the world thought about Jesus. And he said to them but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said you are the, oh glory, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. The son, I ain't the only one feel like running. You are the son of the living God. He looked at him and said, Simon, you are blessed. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I wonder if I had any help in here. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, glory. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Help me somebody. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You say, preacher, I don't get the point. You say, preacher, I don't get the point. You just, just, just hold on for a minute. 
You see, Jesus said, after gaining notoriety and popularity, after his ministry gaining momentum and progressing at a rate that the world couldn't understand, Jesus just said, boys, uh, what are people saying about me? What are people saying about me? Brother Mike, here's what I discovered. Some of them said you're a fanatic. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody ever said you just too churchy? Anybody ever said you a Jesus freak? Anybody ever said you spend too much time in church? Y'all ain't wanting to help me. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd. Glory to God. Some said you're a fanatic. Others said, I'm going to give you this credit. You're at least a powerful preacher. Come on, saints of God. This is what some of them said. Amen. He moved on to the rest of them. And here's, here's what they said. Some of them said, amen, you got similarities or, or, or your ministry is patterned like this one or like that one. So I'm going to give you this much. You're at least one of the prophets. But he said, amen, I, I, I'm not concerned about what others are saying about me. You walk with me. You've talked with me. Amen. You slept with me. You broke bread with me. You saw the blinded eyes receive their sight. You saw the lame legs. Amen. Receive strength and begin to walk. So he said to them, Brother Mike, I just wonder out of the sake of curiosity, uh, who do you uh, say I am? It was old quick draw. Oh, Brother Peter, who stood up first. And here's what Peter said. Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. You know what Christ means? It means Messiah, the anointed one. Peter said, ain't nobody else, Lord. You're the one. You're, amen, the one sent from heaven to deliver people, a humanity from their sin. He said, you are, glory to God, the son of the living God. You're the son of the living God. Did Peter let the Lord down? Yeah, he failed. He failed miserably. But brother, he made the right acknowledgement that day. He said, Brother Brandon, you're the anointed one. Thou art the Christ, the son of, if I had about three people, you're the son of the living God. You're a lunatic. Huh? You're, you, you preach like one of the prophets. I'm going to give you that credit. You, you, you're at least like Jeremiah, Elias, someone. You're at least like one of them boys. But no, Peter stepped up. Have I any witnesses in here? Glory to God. When they called Peter to the witness stand, he stood up to the microphone. Sister Zena, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Simon Barjona, you are blessed because flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. But I got something else I want to tell you. Amen. I say that thou art Peter, but upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. It will not prevail against it. Better make your selections wisely. Better choose wisely. Because heaven and hell, eternity is hanging in the balance. Wasn't it Peter who said, I'll go with you all the way? Brother Freeman, you had to excuse me today, brother. I'm feeling something super special from heaven. He said, 
Lord, I'm, I'm willing to go with you to prison and even unto death. That's how much I love you. But Brother Joy Peter, amen, didn't know what he was saying. He was overwhelmed with emotion. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Huh? How you going to look at a man just tell you I'm willing to die for you and go to prison for you? And you call him the devil? It's because Jesus knew his thoughts before he did. Come on, saints of God. He said, you savor the things of man and not the things of God. Isn't that what he said, Brother Mike? So we better choose our selections wisely. We had better make our decisions on some conscience, daily thought and diligent effort. Am I right? Help me somebody. This ain't let's make a deal. This ain't the price is right. Hello? This is eternity. Who did say I am, Peter? Well, you're a fanatic, crazy preacher, or at least a prophet. No, 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 no. Personally, who do you say I am? You're the Christ. The anointed one. The son of the living God. You see, the rest of the world is confused right here. They say, how can you Christians believe in the virgin birth, the immaculate conception, and Jesus Christ coming to earth as God in human form? That's absolutely crazy. Come on, nobody ever said that to you? Nobody ever said Christianity makes no sense. Anybody ever said that to you? Brother Stephen, when they say that to me, here's what I say. Know the element that you're missing and what you have yet to connect with is the spirit of the living God. Because when I read the Bible, which is God's word, it's the spirit of God that bears witness with my spirit. Huh? It's the Holy Ghost that relays this, this, this important information to me. No, I wasn't there. I didn't see it take place. But when John broke out that feather and dipped it in that ink and began to write, in the beginning was the was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. There's something starts turning over in my soul. Have I any witnesses? Can somebody say amen? amen? My mother told me when I was just a little boy and I accepted Jesus as the Lord of my life. She said there are things in there that I cannot explain to you. But there is one that if you rely on his help, anybody know him? She said there's one if you rely on his help. He will illuminate the scriptures for your understanding. His name is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And Jesus said before he left, you already know him. 
Because he's been with you. But in just a few days from now. Hallelujah to God. He's going to be in you. So you ask me. How can I believe. The Bible. The word of God. By his spirit. That lives. Within me. You say preacher you. Ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. No. I'm not the resident expert on the scriptures. But Jesus said when he comes, he won't speak of himself. He will speak of me. And he'll bring all things to your remembrance that I've told you. And he's going to reprove or convict the world of both sin and of righteousness. Am I right, somebody? So it's the Holy Spirit of God. That lives in us. If you're, if you're feeling distracted. If you're feeling confused. If you're feeling hurt and broken and unloved and worthless. Glory to God. You'll begin to feel something tugging at your heart. Let's look at Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I tell you. The greatest invitation ever known to man. These are words of Jesus written in red in your Bible. So if you fit in any one of those categories. That I before mentioned. Jesus said, come to me. Uh, praise the Lord. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Raise your hand if you understand what Jesus is saying right there. Raise your hand if you understand what Jesus is saying. Are you tired? Are you distracted? Are you hurt? Do you feel unloved? You're feeling worthless? Just come to me. Just come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Friend, Bob Dylan said you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It just might be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. I know you know the, path, the passage of Scripture found in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. I know you know when Jesus is speaking on the discourse about I, 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 we can't have divided loyalties. How many know you can't have divided, divided loyalties? You can't have divided loyalties. For no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In the context of that passage of scripture, mammon means money. You can't serve God and money. I got some more good news to you too. You can't be a God pleaser and a man pleaser. It's not going to work. You can't please the Father and please the world. It's not going to work. So let's make some wise Choices. Let's make some wise decisions. See, Jesus offered Matthew 11, 28 through 30, the greatest invitation ever known to man. Are you feeling burned out or uh, from everyday activities? Are you feeling just absolutely wore out? I want to tell you that a meeting with the master changes everything. A meeting with the master changes everything. Got to move on. Some of us have reached the point in our life that we're ready to make a decision. All I can do is encourage you to make wise decisions. 
One of the greatest problems we have in America is variety. You can't hardly buy a card or too many brands. Hello? You go to the grocery store to buy a can of corn. Oh, Lord. You look about 15 foot of aisle and there's green giant, Del Monte. I mean, New Hanover. I mean, y'all didn't think I grocery shopped. I mean, you're looking through 15 feet of corn. Ain't corn corn? No? Our family. See, there, I threw the generic brand in there on you. Boom. Y'all like, Pastor, you don't eat that stuff. Our problem is so much to choose from. Some of us are brand loyal. Let's just be honest. Some of you ain't going to drive anything but a Chevrolet. Hello? Others, you place all your stock in Henry Ford. I'm just saying, I mean, we're brand loyal. And one of the major problems we have is so much to choose from. But God eliminates that. God eliminated that. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about that. Because it's either life or death, Christ or Satan, heaven or hell. That's all there is. Let me ask you this. Have you ever witnessed the phrase on a plaque, on a picture, or maybe the entranceway to a home? Have you ever witnessed this phrase? As for me and my house. Anybody, anybody, anybody ever witnessed that? You ever seen that? It sells like hotcakes. Where'd it come from? The Bible. It came from the word of the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Came from God's word. Right? I've witnessed it in all kinds of places. Right? But to choose something means we make a selection or we determine our choice. I said earlier, a master is one in authority, one who is a ruler, one who is the Lord, one who is to be obeyed, and one who is to be honored. Anybody know why Joshua wrote that? Who was Joshua? Do y'all go to Bible study? I'm just asking. Because every one of you looking at me like this. He, 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 listen, he was a military strategist who was the successor of Moses. In leading the children of Israel on their conquest in the land of Canaan. But before that, who was he? He was one of 12 spies who was sent out to assess the land of Canaan. Before a decision was made whether to move on or just occupy the territory. So how many were they sent? There's 12 sent. Was the majority right? So the minority was right. And Joshua was the minority. He and Caleb, after assessing the land, they came back and they said, it's ours. We need to move in and possess the land. But what did that other ten head say? 
They said, man, uh-uh. It giants in that land. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. But they tell me they brought, they brought back a tag of grapes on a pole. Took two men to carry it. That was speaking about the abundance of the land. Are you with me? So the people of God had grapes in their hands, but doubts in their hearts. That sound like anybody? That sound like anybody today, saints of God? So let's choose our masters. Joshua 24 and 15 of the concluding remarks, as Joshua himself encouraged all of Israel to proceed into the land of Canaan, despite the giants that were living there. So before he makes this bold statement, Joshua gave the Israelites a history lesson. And what did he do? He reminded them of all their shameful behaviors while at the same time proclaiming that his family would be serving the Lord. See, after Joshua reminded them of how God had provided for them in their time of wandering and conquest, he did what? Read this for yourself, saints. He challenged them to a time of rededicating themselves to the covenant of the Lord. Joshua said, count the cost. That's what he said. I want you to go home and read this in your leisure. And here's what you're going to find out. Hey, they pledged themselves to the covenant of God. And they said, we're going to do what you're asking. But how many of us know they didn't? They didn't. You and I don't have to wander aimlessly like the Israelites. This is what history tells me. This is what research tells me. Research tells me that it would have took 11 days from Egypt to Canaan. 11 days. But because of their shameful behaviors, it took them 40 years. 11 days versus 40 years? But we're not the children of Israel. That's what we say. We're not the children of Israel. Some of you have been walking around your same mountain right now way too long. Hallelujah. Amen, Brother Con. It doesn't have to be a physical comparison. It can be the spiritual comparison. Because you know now, Brother Chris, in the house of God, we got a bunch of mumblers. Grumblers and complainers. Just like they did. They were nowhere out of Egypt. A place where they had been slaves for 430 years. They were nowhere, brother buddy, out of Egypt before they started saying, Our stomach's growling. Our bellies are hungry. At least while we were in Egypt. We had food to eat. The Bible said they thought about the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the garlic. They thought about all that stuff. 
I don't know about you, but I'd have traded a happy meal any day for my freedom. <laughs> How about you? I'd have traded it any day for my freedom. My family been suppressed by the enemy for 430 years. And Pharaoh comes out and says, hey, get them out of here. And starts throwing gold at them to finance their trip. But you'd rather be back eating cucumbers and melons and leeks and garlic. No, 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 no. You got it twisted, sister. Amen. I'd have traded that for my freedom any day. We're not complainers. Get out there in the desert, Brother Jason. And looked at Moses and said, you brought us out here to die. We're going to die. You were dying in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. I'd have traded it any day for my freedom because I'm going to tell you something right now. They have never made a jail sale for Terry Oxendine. You hear me? I love my freedom. And God willing, I'm not going to do anything to violate that. Praise the Lord. They, listen, the Israelites wandered for 40 years because they failed to completely trust God. Is that still happening today? I said, is that still happening today? It's happening today because many of us in this room, we've chosen to seek counsel from others who know less about our situation than does our creator. Because here's something about God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But we just got to confide in a person. We got to confide in a human being. What can they do for you? Huh? Well, preacher, don't you know it's just good to have somebody to talk to? No, I don't talk to anybody. I talk to Jesus. You mean you don't have an inner circle of, no, I don't. I don't think I'm special or anything like that. I just think it's a failure when you put your confidence in man. Is that the Bible? The Bible said put your trust in the Lord. Don't put confidence in man. Y'all know when you was little, you'd tell your family secrets. You'd say, I'm going to tell you something now, but don't you tell. And many of you trusted people with things this very, in this very room right now, and you left off that important clause, don't you tell. And it burned in you like a coal. And as soon as you got to somebody with itching ears, you let it out. You got loose lips. You let it out. And when you did, then you said, well, I don't remember them telling me not to tell nobody. You should have known that from the severity of the matter. Make wise choices. It's happening today. We're seeking counsel from folks who know less about our situation than does the one who created us. And that's God. We must boldly proclaim from this moment on, like Joshua, that our families will serve the Lord. You see that phrase on, on pictures and, and, and plaques and the entrance to many buildings. As for me and my house, you know enough the Bible, you can finish it. We will serve the Lord. I saw another one. You know what it said? Try Jesus. If you don't like him, the devil will always take you back. 
You've never seen that one? I saw that one. You ought to get with my my buddy, Brother Ted Oxendine. He can lay it out for you. He sees a lot of them on, on church marquees, don't you, brother? Here's what Billy Graham said. Talking about choices. Talking about choosing a master. Here's what Billy Graham said. One of the greatest preachers of the gospel the world had ever known. Here's what Billy said. I have never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. Can you testify to that? Rusty Goodman said this. He said, I I wouldn't trade a mile. I've traveled for the Lord. How many could raise their hand and say that? Have there been some tough times? Oh, my Lord. Had there been some time the enemy said, this ain't what you signed up for? Had there been some time the enemy said, you ought to throw in the towel? But was there something on the inside pulling you home? Praise the Lord. Something on the inside just kept pulling you home. So choose today wisely your master. There are only two options. Life and death, Jesus or Satan, heaven or hell when you made that choice I'm going to move to my last point when you made that choice and that choice is Jesus you need to wholeheartedly commit to serving him faithfully am am I right you need to commit to wholeheartedly serving him faithfully I don't understand Well, service is when we perform duties or services for something or someone. Faithfully, in short, means in a loyal manner. It means in a loyal manner. I believe if we research the entirety of the scriptures, the person that we immediately connect with would be the Apostle Paul. Because Paul is the greatest example of how a relationship with God through Jesus Christ results in a life of service. Is it not? Could you say Paul's the greatest example? I, I, mean, I mean, I would. He's one of the great influences of the scripture to me. Paul. His life was transformed By the power of God. Transformed. Look at 1 Timothy 1 verses 12 through 14. This is Paul. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. What did we say ignorance was last Sunday? We said it was when we were unknowledgeable. When we were unknowledgeable. Ignorance ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. That's a whole different level. Ignorance means we don't know. We're not knowledgeable. Right? 
Paul said, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. I really need to bless somebody in this room today. And I need to tell you this, that no sin lies beyond the scope of God's forgiveness. Is that right? I said no sin lies beyond the scope or the range of God's forgiveness. You know there are people that have lost their lives and left this world, stepped into eternity. That failed to acknowledge Jesus as Lord of their life because other people told them that they had been too wicked. Other people said you can't be saved. Lord have mercy. Y'all know Brother George immediately comes to my mind. You know that. I watched this man broken in the presence of the living God. 66 years old. Come to church Sunday after Sunday. The power of God covering him like a blanket. Now you know pastor's policy. And what is that? If the spirit don't draw you, we don't drag you. Amen. But Brother Con on that morning, man, I'd witness Brother George week after week just weeping in the presence of God. Just broken, man, from sin. And the Holy Ghost said, he's right for the picking. Go to him. I eased on back there where he was and I, I slid in the seat. I said, Brother George, Jesus is calling you to salvation today. Brother Ernie, he said to me, he said, son, I can't be saved. He said, I've been, I've been too mean. I've been too wicked. I said, brother, who told you that? I said, who told you those things? He said, people. People have told me that my sins have been so many that I cannot be saved. Brother Mike, man, I could have given up right then. I could have said he's accepted, Cameron, his fate. In that moment, I could have said, well, it doesn't matter what I try. Other folks have beat me to the punch. But the Holy Spirit said to me, Sister Francis, you tell this man that I love him in spite of what he's done. And I put my arms around him. And I said, Brother George, I can't help what people have told you. This is what God says. He loves you with an agape love. An unconditional love. Brother Anthony, I remember when he threw his hands up that day. And accepted Jesus as the Lord of his life. Mike, in less than three months time, I visited him in Chapel Hill Hospital. And he had staples from his throat all the way to his belly button. He'd been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And Brandon, when he lost his voice and he couldn't even speak, I'd walk in the room and he'd raise both hands. And he'd say this. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. 
God have mercy. I don't know. I don't know what that means to anybody else. But I'll tell you every time I think about it, what it means to me. What it means to me is there's nobody that's beyond the scope of God's forgiveness. And it doesn't matter what we've done. No matter how much our sin has mounted against us, you can come to Jesus. Yeah, you can come to Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'll come to Jesus. He'll take the burden away. Won't he do it today, friend? He's a good father. Come on, somebody. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, listen. Brother George died shortly after that. But I believe he's in heaven. I said, I believe he's in heaven. And I believe when I get there, he'll have a voice. Ha! Glory to God. I said, I believe when I get there, he'll be healed. Amen. I believe when I get there, he's going to tell me, glory to God, how thankful that he was, that God never gave up. And on that Sunday morning, that I wouldn't let up. Amen. But I encouraged him to come to know the Lord as the Lord of his life. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to try to close. I could preach on, but the Holy Ghost said, no, stop right here. Because somebody needs to come to Jesus in this service. And the Holy Ghost said, just stop right here. Here's what I need you to tell this congregation. If God forgave Paul, he can forgive you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I said, if God forgave Paul, he can forgive you. Preach, preacher, amen. And that gives everyone in this room hope. Won't you stand on your feet with me right now? Come on. So you ask this question, why should I serve the Lord? That ain't no difficult question. No, that's not a difficult question. Who's lost today? Need a Savior. He's come. Jesus has come this way today. Seeking to save all that which was lost. All you got to do is come. There are no boundaries. There are no separation today. It's just you and Jesus. Come on, baby. Praise the Lord. You felt God tugging at your heart. Come on today. There's no sin that's beyond the scope of God's forgiveness. And He's willing to wipe your slate clean and give you a fresh start right now. Who would come? Come on right now. Come on, the altar of God is open. I know there's somebody here. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God is saying there's somebody here struggling. And I want to give them relief. Come on. Come on to the altar of God. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and train them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Come on, the Bible Jesus says, whoever will, let them come.